Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Modern Horse Training, A Constructional Guide to Becoming Your Horse's Best Friend, and many other books and DVDs about clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. This is part three of a conversation that was inspired by the online coaching sessions that I host once a month for people who are registered in my online clinics. In part one, we talked about resets, what they are, and how they can be used to help horses rebalance so they are in sync with their handlers. In part two, this led to a discussion of shaping on a point of contact, the why would you leave me lesson, and visualizing your horse like a marching band. In part three, we'll continue with some more useful metaphors that help to teach lateral work. We'll begin with merry-go-rounds, and I should pause for a moment to let you imagine what merry-go-round horses have to do with lateral work. I wonder how many of you will find the connection that I'm thinking about with this image. else to that because there's again there's reset for the horse but there's also reset for you and you know in the book there's a part that I really liked and it's the part about the drill team where you say well you should first do shoulder in alone oh yes yeah you so you know this because you can do that too with just before you get to your horse because there's Again, you know where there are many reasons why you should do it alone. And and I loved in the book because my office, my home office, yeah. is on the is on my the second floor of my home. And so there's a rail right out in the corridor, you know, where the stairs yeah. are going down. And that's where I did my shoulder oh. and exercises on my own. Because you say to us, you know, you should walk it, walk the yes. drill team on your own before you go to your horse and so you have us and and it's i'm going to maybe go somewhere else so uh, hopefully we've it's said okay. enough about the resets because you know you you go into the explanation of what tracks the tracks are how oh. to walk in the two tracks and three tracks and that's something we haven't talked about i think on the podcast have we maybe we should just take a few minutes to explain that. And as a matter of fact, I find that when I was walking along my rail here, as you suggested in the book, using the images that you suggest, because you you suggested two images in, in the book. You said you can imagine yourself being one of the animals in the merry-go-round. And so you have a pole that is going from the the middle of your head all the way down. And so when you're, you can, so you can pivot around the pole, yes. but you, you have to stay on your pole. Yes. You can't go away from your pole. So that's one image. Or if for some other people, maybe this other image will be more useful. There's a, I think you call it a yoke in English, yes. with two water yes. buckets. And so you're going to do your shoulder in, you're going to turn your shoulders but you cannot spill the water from the water buckets. 
I'm going to jump in and interrupt here for a moment because I'm not sure in our conversation that we really fully described what these two images do for the handler. You've heard me talk many times about the food delivery. I want you to think about your horse's balance when you deliver the food. And I also want you to think about your own balance as you present the treat to your horse. If you are on the left side of your horse, I want you to feed with your left hand and on the right with your right hand. This can seem like a fussy detail, but this is part of feeding in balance so your shoulders are over your hips, which are over your feet. This is an example of wonderfully sneaky training. You are giving yourself a riding lesson every time you feed your horse. In the food delivery, you're going to keep returning to neutral balance in your spine. You may lean over for a moment to ask your horse to lower his head or to uh, present your hand as a target for his knee or, you know, for lots of, of different reasons. So you may be coming out of that lovely neutral balance. But I want you to keep returning to this shoulders over hips over feet neutral balance so it becomes what your nervous system recognizes as normal, as your base position. What happens so often to riders is instead of maintaining this neutral balance orientation, they end up collapsing and often they collapse to one side. So for example, when you ask for a turn, you may ask by looking to the side and as you look to the side, you collapse through your ribs. And that in turn pushes your seat to the outside and your horse may well follow this imbalance with his own lack of balance. As you're sitting in a chair, you may be able to feel this effect. So if you sit nice and you know, like the, you're uh, you know, a well-trained individual who sits up as they sit in a chair, just feel what that does to your, to the, to your hips. But then let yourself uh, collapse a little bit to one side. So you may drop your right shoulder, for example, and feel what that does to your seat. And you'll, you may well feel that there is a difference. And when this is going on under saddle, absolutely the horse is going to feel this. So the merry-go-round image helps to counteract this tendency. Merry-go-round animals are supported by a central pole that you hold on to during the ride. Well, we're now going to imagine that you are a merry-go-round animal and you have a central pole that goes from the top of your head all the way through your torso and that you're organized around that pole. So if you have a tendency to lean forward, you're going to be falling off your pole. If you tend to lean too far back when you ride, you're going to be off your pole. And if you collapse to one side or the other, once again, you're going to be off of your pole. So for example, if you lean to the side, you're going to be falling away from your pole, sort of like a popsicle that is melting and falling off the stick. How messy. So you want to stay oriented around your merry-go-round pole. And I suppose this could stiffen some people. But when you pair this image with the awareness exercises that I teach, what riders and handlers learn to do instead is to rotate around a central axis without collapsing. And the same effect 
applies when you are using the uh, shoulder yoke image where you are carrying two buckets of water and you want to keep that yoke level. So even when you turn, you're turning, you're rotating again around a central merry-go-round pole that keeps the yoke level. So this is what Dominique and I were talking about. And so you have us walk around our rail, not looking over our shoulder, looking, you know, having our in eyes the in the same direction as our head. And you, you, you explain to us how to do ourselves the shoulder in. And as a matter of fact, you also explain how to do the hunches in. And but I don't want to get too complicated. I want to stay so in what, shoulder. What in. have you been? What have you been discovering as you walk it? Well, you know, it's it's just that if you really slow it down, you really get the three tracks, yep. you know, because so you have normally a horse would be on two tracks where the hind legs, the hind feet would 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 be Step just behind the, the front feet. So when yep. when the horse is walking, all the steps in the sand, let's say, would be on two tracks. Yes. So the left hind and front and the right hind and front feet. Yeah. And so when you do the shoulder in, so you're going to pivot and now you're going to have your front foot inside. So let's say you're going, I don't want to mix up the left and the right here. So you're, you're going inside your front right will be so you're going to have your head inside to the right i'm going to interrupt again so we don't confuse people it takes some practice to be able to describe these images so you don't get mixed up yourself the simplest way to think of this is to think of a railroad track but it's a special kind of track that is the same width as your horse but instead of being raised up where it would be in the way and tripping up your horse it's level with your arena sand. So you can imagine it, but you don't have to trip over it. When your horse is on two tracks, his outside hind foot steps on the same track as his outside front foot. And his inside hind foot steps on the same track as his inside front foot. That doesn't mean he's stepping in the footprint hind foot steps in the footprint of his front feet. It means that he's on the same track as we imagine this railroad track. So your horse can walk straight down the rail of your arena on two tracks. But then suppose he brings his outside shoulder in. Now he's going to be on three tracks. So now his outside hind will be on the outer track his inside hind and his outside front leg will be on the middle track and his inside front foot will be on the inner track and he's going to be bent away from the direction of travel. These are just words. What Dominique is discovering is how useful it is to walk these patterns so you really understand what lateral movements are about and what they can do for horses' balance. And what Dominique has been discovering is how 
as a biped, she can walk these patterns, even though we are talking about our horses, which are quadrupeds. Think of it. The thing is, when you walk, you walk it yourself, you really feel that hind leg coming in under you. You yes. understand that when you're walking it along your rail. Yes. I would probably have to, to find the, but anyway, I, I'll refer people to the book because if yes. you just follow the instructions in the book and you walk it, for me, it was enlightening. I, I, I like that. I like the slowing down of it and really sparsing it out. Yeah. I like the images, you know, I like the, the merry-go-round and the, the bucket images. It helped me too. And really, by the book you're referring to... The modern book. training book, yeah. the new book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that, you know, when I first started trying to figure out shoulder in and haunches in, I used to go out, instead of, you know, normal people, the rest <laughs> of the world, they go out jogging. I went out shoulder in so I'd be out, you know, uh, going along the, the edge of the road and, and shoulder in and haunches in, trying to figure out what what it was all about. And, and then a car would come and I'd start walking normally, just a normal person. And then the car would leave and I'd be back and shoulder in and haunches in. And, but you you really, I think, I think you really do need to walk it because yeah. what happens in your body really does help you understand what the horse is doing and it's also how you ride it you know that how you so when people say well what do I do you know what do I do with my seat and where should my weight be and so on just walk it and then let really own it as you walk it and then when you get under saddle your body will do the right thing and your horse will respond and you do the same thing with the haunches in and the counter yep. shoulder in. And so it's, I really enjoyed that, that chapter. I think I mentioned this already, but you do, you do half pass, you do all of it. So yeah. Well, I, yeah, cause I really, I like, I love lateral. I love how it looks. I love how it feels. I love what it does for the horses in terms of helping them to find good balance, helping them to become more comfortable in their bodies and to be able to sustain that degree of soundness over a long period of time. Lateral work is really key and critical to all of that. So, uh, and, and so I think it's important for people to hear this because it's not, a lot of the people listening may not want to do dressage and may not want to go into all the various, you know, exercises, no. but there's some basic lateral work that is useful for everyone, no matter what discipline oh, you're in. That sure. will, if, if you, and I know that if you're listening to this podcast, you have your horse's welfare at heart. Yep. And so for that reason, you should be interested in the basics of the lateral. Work. So I'll, I'll share a, a story, a Fengor story. So Fengor... He just turned 30, so he's yeah. celebrating his 30th year this year. Yeah. And when he, we, we got him directly from Iceland. And when we first started riding him out, he used to rush down hills. And he really struggled 
to stay balanced going down the hill. And because he was an eating horse, he needed to be really impeccable going out because I did not want somebody who was blind to be on a horse who was not balanced going up and down hills. So we introduced him to lateral work and I taught him how to move from a very simple exercise to move from laterally from one side of a trail to the other side of the trail. So we're on a fairly wide path, sort of kind of trail that you might get uh, the logging trails that we often have through woods. And so we'd move from one side and then we'd move back to the other side and back and forth, but keeping this idea of the lateral work and the lateral balance. And, and then I applied it to going down hills so that Fengor was going downhill, catching his balance through the stepping over and catching his balance through stepping over. And so he could go downhill without rushing. And often when I'm, you know, whenever I'm riding out, I just I say, you know, how do people do it? Who, A, who don't clicker train, because there's always something that happens where you just go, oh, thank goodness for clicker training. Um, and also how do people ride out successfully who don't understand the core basics of, uh, of teaching good balance? So we don't have to, we don't have to have the, the passionate interest in dressage, whatever that means. And it can mean so many different things to people. And I think for many people, it's a, definitely a poison cue because they've seen some really unhappy horses. Yeah. Some very unhappy sure. horses. You know, and some of these notions of tying horses' mouths shut and all the rest of it and see the ringing tail and the tension and who in the world would want that? Mm-hmm. But that's not that's not what I'm thinking of when I think about dressage and when I think about good lateral work and and horses moving with grace and beauty and comfort and delight and joy. And that it really does help to sustain and keep horses comfortable in their bodies so that when they are 30, they can still enjoy life. Mm. And that's really what it's all about. You know, and that doesn't mean that there are any guarantees that, you know, that you can have the best training in the world and something awful can happen. You know, you can have an accident, you can have horses that have health issues, whatever, that get in the way of being 30 and being able to enjoy life. But we can certainly stack the deck in their favor through good training. And that's... Yeah, and I guess, you know, we were talking about the drill team. It's a way to understand better the drill team. Yes, yes. You know, to be able to isolate uh, this part and this part and know that you can really have the horse go in this... this part of the body go in this direction and this part of the body go in this direction. I mean, that's, you need to understand the drill team if you're going to do this. Well, and because, you know, you could have 
the head and the neck kind of looking, oh, this is this is looking quite nice and pretty, and it's got a bubbly expression in his head and neck. But then you look at your video and you see that, well, I thought I was in shoulder in. You know, I could have sworn I was in shoulder in, but actually he's consistently trailing his hindquarters to the inside. Oh, darn. <laughs> That's not yeah. really what I had in mind. So it's time to go scratch your head and figure out how do I get these, you know, the, the whole horse doing what I had in mind rather than just pieces of the horse with the rest of everything going, you know, getting all pear-shaped on me. Well, you have to understand how to access each part. Yes, that's right. So how to access it and then how to how to uh how to reset things so that you can say all right the hip bone's connected to the thigh bone let me make that connection so to speak so how do i how do you build those connections and the solution is never in the layer that you are working in it's all right let's go back there'll be some simpler layer that you can use to help to explain to the horse what it is that you're looking at, what it is that you're looking for. And that's the beauty of this work is that, that you can always go back into earlier components to make the work more understandable and more teachable. And if you somehow or another have you've been exploring lateral work and you you had an eager student and you both got ahead of things and now that you're looking at it you're saying oh dear things this isn't quite what I had in mind you you haven't made a mess you don't have a disaster you don't have to get a new horse and try again you can just go back into those building block behaviors and and go through the process and sort things out so when you sort things out again you'll find that the drill team is much better organized so it's, it's fun you know one of the things that we used to do in the in-person clinics is we'd we'd form up human horses so you can have a human horse that's just one person and they're holding a lead rope in their hands sort of the, the horse's end of the lead rope and they get to feel the effect of the lead rope and and that's interesting for the handler. You can have a two-person horse. So you have one person who's the front end of the horse and the other person has their hands on that person's shoulder. So now the handler has to keep the front end and the back end organized. And that becomes a little more complex. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting for the handler. You can have a four-person horse. So now you've got four people You've got an inside and an outside, front end and back end. Laughter. And oh, yes, just tons of laughter because mm -hmm. now for the handler to keep all four people organized becomes a real, a real challenge for their handling skills. It's very doable, but my goodness, you can you can have hind ends that are just being swung all over the place and are losing their balance and crashing into the front end or being sent flying out to the outside of whatever. So uh, 
So really figuring out how to get the whole guild ring organized is not, it's not a simple process. Lateral work is not a simple process. And you can absolutely study shoulder in for an entire lifetime and still be discovering new things, which is, I think, part of the fun of it and seeing what it can, what it can give you. So it's, it's a never ending process. And I am, I'm delighted to hear that you are exploring it in the upstairs hallway of your house and figuring things yeah, and out. And I'm just now starting the, the course, the fourth course on rope handling. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll talk again about it a lot. Oh, yes. Yes. Because yeah. because they'll be you'll be getting into uh things like such as the Tai Chi walk and uh, some of these other elements that really help you to understand more deeply why these patterns work the way they do. You know, why they give you just this extraordinary engagement and balance and you start going, oh, that's that's why, that's that's what hip shoulder shoulder is and that's why it works. That's you know my hope is that after all that, I because I'm I'm certainly one who has found in the past that for me leads were poisoned. Yeah. And this is why for years I wouldn't touch a lead. You know, I would, yeah, I would touch a lead to take my horse out and, you know, had polite horse. But for me, a fun training session was the liberty session. Yeah. And I'm hoping that I can change my mind about that. <laughs> that would be lovely. Yeah. Because there's there's just so much that you can communicate via a lead that is very beneficial for the horses, very clarifying for the horses. I certainly enjoy liberty work. I do a lot of liberty work, but I would hate to have to give up the connection down lead rope. If somebody mm -hmm. said lead ropes, can never use them again. It's like, oh, that would make me mm -hmm. sad because I've you know, that that feeling when you have a really light and connected horse via the lead, it's just heavenly. So so we'll see how you how you evolve, you know, in terms of your thinking and, and the framing of leads that changes over time. You said, you know, you're looking at videos really differently. So maybe we'll start looking at leads very differently. Yeah. We can unpoison leads for you and maybe unpoison them for a lot of people as well because the you know the bottom line with horses and you've talked about this as well is is for many of us we want to ride and riding is about tactile cues whether you are riding with reins or not you know there are tactile cues involved mm -hmm. and it is about how do you teach those tactile cues and it's related as well to resets i can i can certainly do a balance check with a horse you know, i can say to the horse you are crowding past me you will back up and i will not let you walk forward again until you are keeping a respectful distance behind me you know and i can teach that in a way that the horse will salute and say yes ma'am i wouldn't dream of going past you because I know if I do you will swing that lead rope in my face and 
and and hurt me with it. You know, but that's not that is not what I'm teaching when I'm teaching a reset. So it's really all in how things are presented. So, you know, if you teach lead ropes with care and with tact and building them layer by layer and really helping the horses to understand your body language cues, et cetera, et cetera, and you are working on yourself as well as as you are learning the rope handling so that you're you're not going down a lead rope with a lot of with tight shoulders and you know these are other things that can make it really uncomfortable for well I tend to horse. rehearse at liberty before I add the lead. Yeah. You know, you know, so you know your horses understand the body language cues so the lead can stay very soft. Yeah. And and so for you probably I'm guessing with your horses the lead is more a transferred cue process. Yeah. Yeah. And which uh, which I think is great. I like it like that. Yeah. And I know it's not the only way but you know once I suppose once the the lead has become a soft communication then you don't need to start everything at liberty but for sure for me it's it's a good it's a good way to to go to yeah. to do whatever behavior first at liberty and then once the horse understands it to add the lead and redo with the lead yeah. so that's definitely a good teaching strategy and as you say there you know there, there are lots of different roads to Rome, as it were. Yeah. I want to understand how to work a horse well at Liberty, how to work a horse well on the line, how to use targets well, how to use my body language cues well. Because the more I have all of those pieces working for me, the clearer the communication will be, and mm -hmm. the less I will get into those places where the horse is just going... I am so confused. I have no clue what you want me to do. Sometimes I'll look at video. Somebody is, doesn't matter what they're working on. They're working on something. And, and I'll be looking at it going, I haven't a clue what they want. Yeah. Not I a know. clue. And if I can't tell what it is that the person wants the horse to do, I'm sure the horse doesn't have a clue either. Mm. And, and so... It's when we stay clear and consistent, the clearer we are, then the easier it is for the horse to figure us out, to not get confused, to not have those, those places in the training where the clicks are not happening and you are just building a deeper and deeper hole. So I think having that, the visualizations that help to support things like, all right, the merry-go-round image made sense to you. Excellent. The, the working on multiple tracks was making sense to you. So that's excellent. That helps. So that when you begin to ask the horse, all right, you're, you're on two tracks along the rail, and what I would like you to do is soften and bend and bring your outside shoulder in off the track so that we begin to set up for that first step into a lateral flexion. And you recognize that moment when it occurs. 
you also recognize that moment when the horse fell off the balance beam, as it were, and and you, you recognize it quickly. Or when they start to, to spill the water from the buckets. Yes, yes. And so you just reset and you ask again, ah, oh, that was better, click and treat. And you've just got really clear, consistent training, which is what we want, it's where we want to go. So yeah, so that's what we, some of the things that we covered in the, in the last coaching session, we looked at, briefly, we looked at head lowering as well. We visited that and covered a lot of ground in that coaching session. And next month, we'll cover even more ground. So there, if you're curious about this or if you want to become part of this whole process, then go to my website, theclickercenter.com, and take a look at the online clinics. When you enroll in the online clinics, you gain access to the coaching sessions. And as you've been hearing, we, we cover a lot of interesting topics and they, they are transformative, which is very <laughs> exciting for me to hear. So I think that's a good place to end. Thank you for listening. Just a few quick reminders. If you have already listened to the first two parts of this conversation, you know that my new book, Edgar the Bear Who Wanted to Be Real, has just come out. This is part of the Kenyan Bear series of children's books. If you are thinking you just want to hear about horses, you don't want to listen to me talking about children's books, let me remind you that everything is connected to everything else. So what is the connection between writing children's books and writing about horse training? One obvious one is, I like stories. How many times in these podcasts have you heard me say, let me share a story? I think stories help us to learn, and they certainly help us to remember. Remember when I told the story of using lateral work to help Fengor learn how to go down hills without rushing? That story helps to make the work more relevant, more real, and it helps you to understand the concept better and to remember what we've talked about. Stories anchor these concepts in a way that talking about them as abstract principles just doesn't. So storytelling helps to translate what can be some very head-spinning, very difficult concepts into something that's more understandable and rememberable. If you listen to the series we did recently with Joe Lang on private and public events, what you may remember most from that conversation was the story he told about Helen Keller. Stories are important teaching tools. We're introduced to stories as children. If we were very lucky, we were read to as young children. We heard stories that transported us into magical worlds, stories that changed us and helped to set us on our current course. Some of the greatest literature in the English language have been children's books. Think of C.S. Lewis's Narnia series. Think of Tolkien's The Hobbit and the whole Lord of the Rings series. Children's books, good children's books, the kind that get tucked under pillows and read again and again growing up, take great skill to write. They can seem very simple because the language is simple. 
But it's like haiku, where every word counts, and too many words just get in the way of telling a good story. So I wrote children's books before I wrote horse books. You can think of them as my practice, my training for writing those horse books. When I started to write about horses, I applied the same rules that I follow when I'm writing a children's books. First and foremost, I want my training books to be readable. I've worked my way, and I think that's an appropriate way of saying it. I've worked my way through too many training books that may have been packed full of good information, but oh my goodness, they were boring. So yes, we are talking about complex subjects at times, but that doesn't mean that we can't use metaphors and stories that help to hold the reader's interest and that help to make these concepts more understandable. It's not about talking down to readers or trying to simplify complex concepts so that they turn into nothing. But it is about presenting them in a way that makes you keep reading. This is especially important because I'm writing about clicker training. That means I'm sharing so much more than just a series of training steps, training recipes. Clicker training really is modern horse training. It represents a shift in attitude towards horses and really a shift in attitude towards one another. When I think about modern horse training, what I'm really thinking about is the contrast between that time when horses were beasts of burden. We used them for transportation. We used them to plow our fields. They pulled carriages. You know, they were truly workhorses. Our relationship with horses is different today. It's changed. The reason why we have horses has changed. And with that change, I want to make sure that our training is changing. Our horses now are our companions and our friends, and they do have a choice. They're not pit ponies down in the coal mines being forced to haul coal out of the mines. They're not the London cab horses that were written about in Black Beauty. Thankfully, those days are behind us, and we have the luxury to really examine our training and to update it and see that it really works in the best interest of our horses. So when I'm sharing clicker training, I want to touch more than the lead rope that you hold in your hands. I want to touch your heart because that's how we truly deeply connect to one another and change forever how people train horses. The children's books for me are part of that. So thank you for indulging me as I continue to talk about the children's books, as I continue to publish the children's books. And I hope you take a leap of faith and order one of them to see what they are about. Everything is connected to everything else. And I hope we stay connected through these podcasts. Train well and have fun with your horses.